This podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Go to patreon.com slash today to help us continue creating new content for the Dark Age of Camelot community. That's patreon.com slash Here's this week's State of the Game. Welcome to the State of the Game, the last one for 2020. It was a holiday week last week. I hope you all had a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. And uh, Broadswords off for uh, at least a little while, I believe. I, I think they're off until the new year um, in terms of development. I could be wrong about that, but I hope um, you guys are having a, a wonderful end, uh, or at least of what you can make of it of this year. And we're looking towards new things next year. So we've got some stuff to talk about this week. First thing I wanted to go to um, and just remind everybody that the midwinter event is just about done in terms of the prizes. They're just about over. Um, it looks like the prizes uh, are going to be available until um, January 1st. So if you don't do it uh, day by day and you're waiting like I am until the last day, you need 29 available inventory slots per character in order to be able to get all of the gifts. And this is available only for veterans account, veteran accounts and can only be obtained once per character. I'm really excited to see what Broadsword has been handing out to folks. Don't spoil it. Traveling merchants are up as well. Get your stuff while you can. Your your uh, your scroll of recalls or recall scrolls, any of the other items that you might need. Thanks to Broadsword for um, giving all the stuff away like they do every year. It's a cute little area. The Christmas tree they gave away an owl, and they also had some uh, some really neat limited time stuff uh, in the Mithril store. This is um, Merloaf, the little um, snowman guy, uh, and the Santa hats, too. And a big shout out to Greg, uh, the artist over Broadsword, for putting all of these together. The the level of detail on the hat and the holly leaves, incredible. And Greg uh, Greg deserves big props. Everybody should be loving on Greg. Also, uh, during the the midwinter event, there are realm bonuses. You weigh in 50% RP, uh, gain... um, in, in all RVR zones. Geharis also has XP and RP gain and some crafting stuff too. Good opportunity to level up crafters. There are um, some things to talk about, including obelisk mechanics, <laughs> why the population is toxic. God, that's one that we could go on for uh, a while. And we, we, we will talk about that at length. And also um, DAOC classic, pet, uh, classic pet pathing and community respect. Boy, do we need to talk about community respect. And this goes from uh, from myself, I, I, and I, I can always be better. I could be a better human, a better face on the stream, uh, on going after people that don't always do the right thing, because God knows I'm human, and I make mistakes all the time. We could all be a little bit better. We'll go through those one by one now. We'll start, and then we'll talk a little bit about chat topics if you guys have questions. So, first topic. Having had time to play around with the new obelisk mechanics, how do you feel that they are currently balanced on both attacking and defending sides? Do you feel they need a buff or nerf from either side and why? Borgio. Uh, also, Borgio has a great Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Borgio22. I've had time to play with the new obelisk mechanics. I don't think it changes a, a ton. I went really, I leaned in on Hibs last week. And yeah, I maybe I should have been, uh, I should have gone a little easier for the people that were really upset. There are a lot of people in this world, in DAOC, out of DAOC, that 
are not fond of change. <laughs> I don't think that's uh, comes as a shock to anyone. Certainly, uh, with this new uh, protection obelisk, there were a lot of people that were very upset, and most of them were on hip. I do think they're balanced. I do think it's balanced. I don't think it makes much of a difference. I've seen Albs benefit quite a bit from this in terms of being able to hold the roof and get some kills. Courtyard fights, uh, it means that Albs uh, especially, and mids to a lesser extent, but Albs get an opportunity to kill folks in the courtyard or at least get some kind of damage, be able to do it, slow the attack. It does not affect huge BG fights. Uh, after the couple of days that I've had, like, hardcore keep-taking days. Yeah, hardcore keep-taking days. <laughs> Those few streams uh, and the, the, the days that we've taken keeps. It's just about approach. So do I think that they're balanced on both attacking and defending sides? Yeah. I think Broadsword... I think this was working as Broadsword intended. It's giving people a chance to get onto the roof and, and defend the inner oil and kill. I think there should be more protections for the inner oil at this point, uh, and I don't see any difference in the Lord Room at all. I, I've noticed Hibs have been able to take down the inner oil a lot faster than I thought they'd be able to, but that's because it has very little to do with the 50% or whatever the percentage damage reduction. It's just they're very tank heavy and they can climb and they can take it out. So I think there should be some additional protections for inner oil. I think... If it's me, I think uh, you should remove all the climb points for inner, um, on inner oils in every keep. I don't think you should be able to climb up and take it down. Just like I don't think you should be able to uh, what Broadsword did with the doors and the outer oil, right? They put doors up to prevent people from going in and immediately killing the oil. If they want to prolong courtyard fights, which is what seems to be uh, their intent, I think they should protect inner oil more. But I think it's working fine. The hit points are great on the obelisk. I have no complaints about being able to take it down. No complaints really about people being able to heal it. This was one of those, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't think it was super well, I don't think it was super well tested before they launched it. Just because there were a lot of tweaks, you can tell when there are a lot of tweaks post-launch. It's not a criticism. It's very hard to make a change like this. And then uh, um, ask people to go to Pendragon in mass and test it. You've got to do it on live, especially with the way the population is at the moment. And I think it was very well done. I don't have anything else to say about it, really. I think it's fine. It spices up fights in keeps, which is great. We needed that. And I was worried for a brief moment that it was going to make fights with uh, groups like uh, Zoo's, Zoo's group or the uh, the uber competitive eight mans. I was I was fearful going into this that we were not going to be able to hit keeps where those uber competitive eight mans were holding the um, the roof. And it turns out that really didn't it didn't change a whole lot. And Albs are getting a, another opportunity to kill one more opportunity. But I, I do think that more could be done. And Broadsword has alluded to that. Right. So if we go back down to right here, Broadsword says on the Herald, there are several other additional keep upgrades being discussed, as well as more ways to redeem the upgrades by completing myriad gathering quests around the frontier, so stay tuned. This is not the end-all be-all for keep changes. 
and I think they're on the right path. Gear Bunny Classic in chat says, uh, just need constant tweaks to the overall, even once a month hotfix on Classroom each run would probably help. I've heard in uh, in Discord time and time again how DAOC versus other games, there needs to be more patches, there needs to be a patch schedule. But on the flip side, I don't think that Broadsword needs to just make changes just to make changes because people feel like the game is still alive if they patch. I've talked about dynamic events. They do these seasonal events, which are great. Uh, I don't know. We're going to talk about the classic server in a second. I think more time needs to be spent on these kinds of tweaks. And maybe that's what you're referring to. These kinds of tweaks and, and do them more frequently. Make it make it easier and harder. Make it dynamic. Have a dev run stuff. I, I don't understand why this um, hasn't happened yet. To me, it's uh, it's not a it's not the inability to run these kinds of uh, events. It's just the, the uh, unwillingness to do it. So anyway, I digress. I think the uh, the protection obelisk is working great. Borgio, who asked this question, says, I still feel the obelisk is about right. Uh, allow mids to get some casts off and get some RP. Mass numbers will still win, but gives folks at least um, gives folks at least some of us. Yep. On the flip side, we stopped hero in Glenny U because we could cast from the roof when the tanks push. This is what Borgio is saying in chat. And Gear Bunny Classic says it's giving defenders a chance at RP and more experience in fighting. It's really hard to learn if you get killed in five seconds every fight. Sovereign says it doesn't affect any fights where the attackings are far outnumbers the defenders. It does affect fights, doesn't affect the outcome. There is a significant difference between it affecting a fight and affecting the outcome of a fight. If there's an opportunity to get more kills... It's affecting the fight and it's doing what it's intended to do. It's not meant to change the tide. It's not meant to prevent 80 versus 20, letting 20 win versus 80. That is up to the the folks on whatever realm is underpopulated. That's up to people uh, trying to elect or elevate leaders in their respective realms. BG leaders, uh, if we're talking about Al, BG leaders are uh, not all that common and that needs to change. It's never going to change the outcome of a fight. If Broadsword did that, balance would just, they would just say, screw balance, and they blow it up. And that's not what Broadsword is doing. Sovereign says, what I've seen is, yes, it extends the fight, but you being able to take more damage on defense doesn't translate to getting more kills when you are interrupted, getting assisted, etc. That's true. It doesn't translate to getting more kills. It it gives you an opportunity to survive a little bit longer, and hopefully that defending realm that is underpopulated is forming groups in the keep, is forming assist trains. Uh, the, the days of stun nuke nuke, if you have one heal in your group, I think are over, unless you get disease, but then hopefully you've got somebody else that's curing disease. <laughs> Should it go further? I don't know, but I think it's helped quite a bit. God's Demon um, is wondering what the cap is uh, for RP bonuses and keeps. Yeah, I, th I think it's somewhere between 25 and 30. So let's move on to the next um, the next topic, and we're just going to go through these one by one. So first, we're going to talk about why the population is toxic, and then we're going to talk about community respect. Toxicity exists among all three realms. It exists amongst uh, some of the nicest players who would literally do anything for any realm mate or opposing realm mate if they asked. It exists uh, with the competitive eight mans, and it's what gives, I think... Um, those competitive eight mans such a bad rap. Toxicity needs to change in, in the game across the board. We all need to be better humans. That includes me. That includes probably you, the listener, unless you're not playing the game and therefore haven't had a chance. It probably includes all of us. 
in one way or another, we need to be better humans. We need to look at the game as it being, um, you know, at this point, what, let me take a step back. When there are 5,000 people on a server, you really don't have to care about the health of an opposing realm. It's not important. You just go out and you kill stuff and you wrap it up and you're done. When the population, and the population isn't so small that there's not action. If you're listening and you're wondering, should I come back to the game? The answer is, yeah, you should. There's a ton of action. And we exclusively, we're talking exclusively about live servers here. We're not talking about free shards. We don't talk about free shards, really. We certainly don't mention the name of free shards uh, on this state of the game or on really anything that I do. We have to be better at taking, making sure that other realms have what they need, making sure that all three realms are equally represented in some way, shape or form. We need to stop harassing underpopulated realms. Uh, this is what fueled, I think, a lot of the recent changes was the just the nonstop taking of empty keeps, you steamrolling people. I, th I, there were a lot of Hibs um, and Albs that should be blamed for this. We all shoulder some of that because any one of us who are part of a BG that is 80 plus versus nobody, 90 plus, 100 plus versus nobody, one of us could have gone over and started an opposing BG or one of us could have organized a group. We all we all carry some of that. There will be people, uh, uh, quite a few pe people that don't agree with that approach. But when the population is what it is today, I think we all shoulder some weight in trying to make trying to make the game as balanced as possible. The better the fights, the longer the fights, the more are happy walking away from those fights. We all carry some of that. The one person who really doesn't deserve any blame is Legan. Legan left Hib and went to mid because Legan saw an opportunity to start a mid BG. Legan gets a lot of credit for that. When there was not a mid-BG, or there was a mid-BG, but there wasn't um, a reliable leadership over there. We need more folks stepping up and going over to ALP and starting BGs. And we also need Rescue to take a step back because um, he's, I don't think he's helping a whole lot right now over there. I've seen BGs, uh, second secondary BGs try and get formed over on ALP only to be steamrolled and shot down by the people who are dire Rescue fans. And that's fine, whatever, right? People can be diehard rescue fans, that's cool, but it's not helping the realm. And if you wonder why all night, you know, very little action occurs, it's usually because somebody hasn't stepped up who's new, has decided to try new things. Um, Lazardin says, some of us have realm pride and always play one realm. Uh, some of us in Astroar are very proud mids and play even uh, if it's like 20 versus 80 and continue to fight all night. That's fine. You can have realm pride. I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to just hop over to another realm. We all carry some of the blame for there being imbalance because we all have the ability to do these things, myself included, and we don't, like form a, a BG on an opposing realm. But there are a lot of albs that will never leave alb that will never go to hib or to mid. And really, I guess that's not the issue here because alb is the one that's underpopulated. Uh, Jakateron says, I play live, but I think ignoring shards is not good for DAOC. The one we know uh, have really nice new mechanics and stuff that's really good. I don't think anybody at Broadsword is ignoring shards. I think they're observing. I made this uh, analogy a couple of weeks ago about Apple. 
and if you're into tech or you know like new gadgets and new phones and laptops and things right you'll you'll know that you'll notice that apple is not always first to the party when it comes to new technology but they give it a couple of cycles they refine it and then they release it in their own way and it generally speaking works better than what version one or version two from anybody any competitor was i don't see how broadsword is doing anything different here they are keeping an eye on what's happening in development i would imagine they can't just ignore it seeing the changes and then learning from it and and building on it and that's why i'm actually kind of excited to talk about classic and the new server but we'll get to that in a minute baba malama says the average player isn't going to log on see their realm um, half their realm taken and on fire and or, or on fire and on fire and say logged in yes population bonuses how many times have i said this i i'm i, I feel like i'm beating a dead horse Population bonuses need to go. They need to stop being displayed. That's the first like psychological breakdown that people get, people get as soon as they're logged in or they hear it from a guild mate or a realm mate. Oh my God, we're outnumbered. And then seeing uh, an entire realm uh, turned a particular color, I think that becomes less important or um, uh, less influential the longer it goes on that realms don't have an idea of how many are on the opposing realms that slowly dies off i just i, I want it there needs to be some mystery because if there's not some mystery it means that people will get uh, discouraged we need more bg leaders on album and somebody needs to step up people need to step up when it comes to toxicity this goes to community respect in the second question here can we just can we discuss community respect in a game with this tight-knit, see small popular of a population, I get concerned when I hear the crap uh, talk of other realms and players at this point. Why is this the culture of this uh, this small game? I, I would imagine that there are still thousands of paid subs. Maybe not as many active players, but certainly um, uh, thousands of paid subs. This is what it, the game has become. The game has always been clicky. It's become more clicky over the course of time. But now that the game is in this state... In this moment of change, where Broadsword is developing new stuff, they're changing mechanics. There's this uh, this like surge of new artwork and character customizations and really cool stuff uh, that you can do. I think w we have to recognize that being clicky is not good for the longevity of the game. And I feel like in the the past couple of months, maybe the, the past six months, even those barriers are starting like that fog is sorting start, sort of starting to roll out a little bit or roll away. There are a lot more guilds, I feel like now than six months ago that are willing to take newbies. And this could just be the fact that I've been streaming and I've had this, you know, been able to be a part and build this awesome community with all of you. And I've been more exposed to it. But I feel more hopeful now than ever that those barriers are being broken down. Let's talk about soloers and different play styles. If you pay your $15 a month to play the game, you should be respected the way you want to play it. Now, that does not mean that you're you're not always going to you're not going to get killed, right? You're probably still going to get killed in New Frontiers because it's an open RVR zone. But enough of the bashing of people who zerg or who don't zerg, right? People make this, there's a, there are a couple of people that I'm not going to name names that are in particular very anti-zerg to the point where they're so vocal about it and they're actually, they kind of harass people who zerg or who run in battle groups. What these folks don't understand, and I'm, I'm not going to call them, I'm not going to insult them, but I think they're maybe a little small-minded or, or, you know, they're, they've got tunnel vision, is that zergs 
just like the competitive eight mans or the casual eight mans or whatever kind of eight mans, the small mans and the soloers all feed into an ecosystem that are equally as important to one another. The eight mans right now get their RPs off of the Zergs. If there were no Zergs, there would be some a few more eight mans, but not enough uh, because of the player base as it stands right now. Those eight mans wouldn't make as many RPs. The soloers feed off of other soloers. They feed off of smalls and they feed off of Zergs. Everybody, this enough of this, uh, you know, you play the game in a particular way and you're less of a person or less of a player than I am. And that also applies to the competitive eight mans, right? You're good. You're really good. Zoo crew, really good group. Don't rub it in people's faces. Don't look like an, an arse just because you can. Also, don't bash soloers. Don't bash zergers. They all feed into the same ecosystem. They're all equally as important to the game. The game was built around large, large encounters in New Frontiers in terms of PvP based on groups of eight. Uh, DTLL uh, says people are just bullies to Blue's crew. Blue's crew is a fascinating example. For people who don't know, uh, Blue Fingernails um, runs a, I think Blue is, right? Blue is the leader of that group or that stealth zerg, runs a um, mostly, if not all, scout uh, stealth group. Could be some infiltrators, but I'm pretty sure it's all just scouts. And the reason Blue gets so much hate is because of this, um, the picking off of people and then the emoting afterwards. I think that's part of the issue. Like, if you're going to pick people off, and this is actually, this isn't just Blue, right, that gets, that deserves this, um, this criticism. A lot of people who like, you know, who who roll folks and then raffle them or are really disrespectful, disrespectful with emotes. That's where it all begins. I don't think there's anything wrong with running Zergs of Scouts. It's a relatively new phenomenon. I mean, it certainly didn't exist in mass back in 2001. It's become this way because uh, of the population change. We're all responsible, DTL, we're all responsible for for bad emotes, myself included. Um, but we have to stop doing that. I do it a lot less than most, but I still I'm still responsible for the the ones that I do. Gearbunny Classics says Montish um, had a scouts brigade on, on Guinevere. Legan says stealth zerging happened when they brought back mastery of stealth, really. I could bounce around about this topic about community respect, but essentially just be nice to your peers and also be nice to your opposing realmates. You can still kill them, but be nice to them. If you're on Alb, Alb is the clickiest of all three realms, and I hate to just keep harping on this, but Alb, you good luck getting a group on Alb. I used to sit on Teddy when I didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't have an organized eight man. None of my friends were online. Um, DKOC didn't have a BG. I would sit for sometimes an hour or two waiting for a group to form, not in CT, in Catterick. It's it's been, always been clicky on Alb, and that's why I think forming a, a Good group compositions is so tough over there. Invite people in, right? Invite people in. Give them an opportunity. Don't trash people in region. Don't throw people under the bus. Be nice to one another. This is just basic human decency. The few people that are, you know, that kind of fuel it. Um, and it it really is Alba's, Alba's unfortunately, um, Alba's got more of those folks. They, all, they exist in all realms, but Alba's got more of that than anyone else. Sovereign says, um, Sovereign's criticizing Dark Knights of Camelot. Uh, that was uh, the largest alliance on ALB um, for many years, especially after the server merge, and ran an alliance-only battle group 
consisting of quite a few groups. DKOC did not run private Zergs or alliance-only Zergs when there was no public option. There was a conscious decision made um, that if there was no private BG, um, or if there was no public BG, that there would not be a private BG, and, and it was opened up to everybody. Every single night, Lovely, Billings, myself, um, Ked, uh, Craig, Yomi, whoever decided to run it, there was never, ever, ever a refusal to kick people out. So your memory of that, I think, is is not exactly uh, as it was. Uh, Sovereign says uh, there was a strife between public and private BGs contributed to the atmosphere of clickiness. The the issue exists still without DKOC to this day on ALB, which is that Rescue does not want to coordinate or listen to anybody but himself. I think Rescue's one of the nicest guys I've ever met, not physically, not personally. One of the nicest guys I've ever talked to in the game. I like Rescue a lot as a person, uh, but his refusal to work with others, outright refusal. And and honestly, sometimes he like the way in which he talked to Lovely, the way Bill worked with him versus the way Lovely was able to get through to him. Like sometimes it took I mean, and this is just my recollection of things. Sometimes it took um, a, a, a male figure to actually coordinate with him because of the difficulties that he would have with Lovely. But there it was it was very difficult to talk to him in general and to get him to do anything or to coordinate anything with him. He would do his own thing. That is the reason why the clickiness exists. That is still the case today on Alp. Nothing has changed. Private BG or no BG. And I would guarantee you that if I went over to Alp and started a, a, a BG of my own, a public BG, that I would be absolutely ridiculed by Rescue's folks and Rescue himself. We need more leadership and we need people to rotate and try new things. That's all I have to say about that. GearBuddy Classic says it used to be that new players were directed to Alb as their first realm. I think now that they get pointed to him, mids have always fought uphill for new players. That is that is spot on. It is absolutely true. And I think in part because of the storyline. Um, and the reason why they get pointed to Hib now is because I think Hib is uh, more open if you ask in Discord, Hibs are far more receptive to inviting new people to the game. Mids have become really good at this now because I think they recognize the necessity of trying to recruit new folks. Mid was not always like that. Mid was a little clicky too, especially after the, the, the merge into Uane. Mid was a bit like that as well. Not anywhere near as bad as Alp, but Mid always had a public BG, always ran it. Uh, up until the last few years, Zyreman was very competitive and with what had open field. You know, it was only uh, it was only after uh, Zyreman started getting burnt out. Did he start to um, did he start to hide in, in keeps and, and probably because he was getting rolled because of the population imbalance. I digress. But Gear Bunny Classic has a great analysis on this. I think that's really spot on and true. Uh, God Demon says FOH is a great guild and they're taking back in new renewed players and carrying them. Uh, FOH is uh, Federation of Hibernia and Federation of Hibernia is great. There are a lot of guilds on all three realms that are taking new players. I would love, I mean, we're going to do a resource podcast. I've been trying to organize it with people um, to get really good guests on. Uh, but part of that is going to be guilds that are recruiting. Um, and I really want to highlight ALB. I think there is a, a void for new ALB players uh, or people that are returning to the game that want to come back to ALB. There's a void for a guild to step in and be like DKOC or be like any of the, the guilds on uh, hip or mid that are accepting of new players that are willing to get people set up. Let's move on to pet pathing, uh, pet pathing uh, and what to do with it. 
especially the bone dancer pets and how to improve the bone army line. I know very little about BDs, but BDs have suffered from pet pathing issues, just like necros have suffered from pet pathing issues. Necros got up until, well, I mean, the recent changes to necros made it a little bit easier for them to survive, but playing a necro back in the day, because I think they didn't, they, they made that change after they released EV. I'm pretty sure um, EV came first and then necros came second, the revamp to pet classes. In fact, I know that's the case. I remember that timeline well. And there was that period of time between uh, the release of Ellen Vannon from, so people are listening and they're not like sure what Ellen Vannon is. Uh, Broadsword uh, retired Agramon took the same exact space that interconnects all three realms in New Frontiers and and dramatically changed the, the layout of this island that is now called Ellen Vannon and did so in the mindset that there's a smaller population and that um, there needs it needs to be objective based and there needs to be wider uh, wide open spaces for fighting with less issues involving terrain and topography. The time between Ellen Vannon was released and the pet revamp was very painful for Necros. And uh, they Broadsword did a great job of revamping that class to make it uh, a little bit easier to play. Pet pathing is an enor- it's it's an enormous issue. I've heard a whole bunch of theories as to why that um, why pet pathing is an issue currently in the game. And it's not, I want to say this, it's not unplayable, but it makes it really frustrating. And I would like to see Broadsword make some kind of effort to take a second look at it or another swing at it. And I'm sure I'm going to get, I'm sure I'm going to get some message from somebody at Broadsword at some point, like, hey, we have, we did. Here, look. And I, I think they have. They have made efforts to in- improve pet pathing, but it's not it's not quite where it should be. Uh, Farm Sauce says uh, no class. No pet class has suffered from pet pathing as much as BDs, and there was no reason to change the healing percentage and casting speed of the heal pets. I don't know. I don't I don't know much about BDs. I really don't. Uh, all I know is that um, when they have their pets with them, they are an uber competitive class. The issue is having your pets there. And, you know, I again, I've heard uh, um, rumors about it being um, or involving polygons in the Gamebryo engine that the game runs or slash Netimmerse. The, uh, there, there's like a limited amount of polygons and therefore pet pathing follows as po- I've heard and that I, I have no idea if that's true. Um, I've I've heard, um, you know, that Broadsword has has really tried to prevent pets from getting into places that they they should not. And so therefore, there have been additional barriers created, especially on EV because EV is newly designed, right? where a lot of uh, existing frontiers was designed in a, in a different era. Um, and these, the current set of developers and the folks that are looking at this, again, this is just speculation, um, built in more protections um, against pets uh, getting into places that they shouldn't. The issue now is that pets don't go where they should. Gearbunny Classic says pets need to be treated as players um, instead of mobs, instead of as mobs. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I think an underlying rewrite of the server code might, and I'll get into talking about DAOC Classic next because it is on. It's the last topic for discussion here. I think an underlying rewrite of the server code would probably help, but I, I don't, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't know enough about it to be able to comment. And I, I'm sure that between now and then, I will find out some information that I did not know before, and I can talk about it on the first state of the game in 2021. 
Uh, Lazarin says, I give uh, Broadsword a bunch of ideas to help out the other BDs and ways to improve the class, but I never know if they looked into it. Broadsword reads every piece of feedback, Lazarin, that you send in. I know that for a fact. I'm not a Broadsword employee. I just play one on TV. No. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. No. Like, I'm not a Broadsword employee, not a staffer, not paid by them. Um, I know for a fact, though, that they read every piece of feedback that is sent in. And I'm sure that they've looked at that. But they see things. We have to remember that uh, pet pathing and the mechanics of pet pathing is one thing. I'm sure Broadsword would love to do everything that they can to fix pet pathing. But they look at all of the class balance from a 5,000 foot view. Sometimes they don't get it right. I think most of the time they do. They certainly listen to community feedback. Sometimes they don't. Um, and it's possible, Azrid, in the feedback you sent in just didn't drive with what they thought the future of the game looked like or what they thought the class should look like. BDs are incredible when they've got their pets up. BDs are great. I do know that for a fact. BDs have changed a lot since they were released, but pet pathing affects not just BDs. It affects other uh, other classes. Um, it affects me to uh, uh, even being able to pet stroll, which is what I'm most comfortable on, which is what I like to do the most on 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 mini. It affects me, too, in a lot of negative ways, and I'm sure they would like to fix it. But the sum of everything that's happening with the game, they have other priorities, I think, that they're working on. They haven't announced that they're looking at pathing a, a second or maybe having another 45th go at it. And maybe we'll hear something about it at some point down the road. But I would not give up. Look at look at Perfect Crits. I think Perfect Crits is a great example of this. But I was looking uh, the other day at... Uh, uh, solo kills. I didn't realize that um, Perfect Crits was was LA was lone, made lone is lone assassin right, twenty five thousand kills. I didn't realize that the class is frustrating. Pet pathing is frustrating, but it's not impossible. It just requires a little more. I'm not going to say finesse, maybe patience. You have every right to feel that you should not have to put in that much patience in order to play a class. Um, we're going to jump really quickly back and then we're going to move forward to classic and we're going to talk a little bit about um, maybe there are some other folks that uh, talked about pet pathing, but Sovereign said something that I want to address. Sovereign says um, you're assuming and uh, you're assuming uh, Tim, meaning Timbuktu, wants to be the new rescue. There's a huge difference between occasionally running and starting the BG for rescue and being the new rescue. Tim's probably the best person to answer that, frankly. I am not suggesting that Tim needs to be that person. I always give credit to Tim because Tim does such a phenomenal job. I, I try and give credit to Tim because Tim steps up and does a great job and wants to see the fight push, wants to see, you know, the, the, the fights in Alba evolve beyond where they are right now. I, I keep coming back to this. I feel like I'm I'm going over it. I, I've said enough about this. I think my position's clear. I'll just restate that Rescue's not all bad. Rescue's not bad. I, he's just, he, I mean, he's been there when Alps, no other Alps have. He's been the constant on that realm. He deserves a lot of credit for that. In order for Alps to be competitive, they need a leader who pushes, calls fights, is really aggressive. Look at what Zoo was able to do on Alb today. Towards the end of the evening, if you watched my stream, you saw it. Zoo led the Alb BG. Or at least people followed Zoo, and he, he wasn't, I don't even know if he, I think he might have been in the BG. But he wasn't even the BG leader. There was another minstrel that was. But he was shouting in region directions. <laughs> trying to call the fight and wipe Tiro like once or twice. That's what Alb needs. Alb needs a leader that will push. I hate that this is turned in. I hate that the, uh, I, the when I talk about this, I actually feel really bad. The way when I talk about this, that it's like rescue this, rescue that. Rescue's done a lot for Alb. 
but he just needs to step aside and, and make a new lead and, and, and have somebody new who leads or be receptive to a new BG leader who comes over there. That's all. Let's get back to pet pathing. Um, Lazardin says most of their pets stink. There's no reason to use them nor spec bone army. Uh, Dreadlord sometimes is worse than Hib under Hills. AoE dot is the same as the Met Necro dots, but at level 42, other than that, the bone army line is weak. Again, I don't know enough about BDs to be able to comment any further than just trusting what you're saying, but BDs have a place, clearly have a place as uh, a solo class, because I we ran into them. I run into them all the time when I'm soloing or duoing. I run into BDs all the time, teams of BDs. BDs exist in solo environments. They exist as duos, small mans. They exist in, in, in eight mans to a lesser extent, but they do exist in eight mans. Um, Maybe that's not where their strong suit is. They certainly have their place in Zerks. And they may not be the end-all be-all. You can't compare, in my opinion, you can't compare the Dreadlord to the Hib Underhill. Like, they just, they're different. The Hib Underhill does not have a series of pets behind it that are willing to heal and support the the primary pet. It's just, it's very, the, the dynamics of these classes are very different. And comparing a BD, you can't really compare a BD to any other class in the game. It just doesn't work like that, with all due respect. Just like you can't really compare a Necro because of the Necro, especially now, the utility of the Necro, you can't really compare it to anything. While I, th- I think, I believe what you're saying is true, this, the class is viable, might need some improvements, pet pathing stinks um, in some cases, it's, it's certainly more difficult in some places than others, but people are still playing and doing very well as BDs, and so, you know. Send in your feedback, make a stink about it, re- you know, continue to talk about this, maybe I should come over... Maybe I should come over to mid and and play more um, and and run a BD and see, and then maybe I can talk about it. I could be a little more educated on the state of the game. There are a few there are a few classes on mid that I haven't played extensively. I did have a BD many years ago. I haven't played that BD in many years, so I don't know a whole lot about it. Sovereign says, uh, "Cabby pets stink compared to all the other classes." Can we all agree on that at least? Cabby pets are phenomenal. So, cabby pets were not um, are not the same as they were when um, Broadsword introduced the, the the revamp of pet classes. If anybody remembers that, they'll remember the Am- Amber Simulacrum. Um, uh, should we call it Amber Gate or A- Amber S- S- Simulacrum Gate? <laughs> Amber Gate. Remember that? When they had uh, the hit points that they used to and then swung for like 900 a swing? By the way, they still swing really, really, really hard. They just die very quickly. Tabby's got body debuff for itself on I mean, it's baseline life tap but can body body debuff for itself god's demon says broadsword might not have the budget to fix it we have to keep that in mind too i so everything is about money but i don't think this is an issue of broadsword not having the money to fix it if broadsword had the money they i think they would just they you know and and i don't again i've talked about this i don't know what the relationship is with ea but i think broadsword would just you know, migrate the game to a brand new engine and you wouldn't have many of these issues. I'm going to talk about the classic server because I think this is maybe an extension of this conversation, uh, but we'll, we'll get back to that. Gearbunning Classics is BD was the response of mid to the third, just Animus was the hip version, all with very different utility. They are, they are s- similar in their purpose and the response for, for in terms of, you know, one, one realm versus another having a similar class, but they all carry very different utility, um, and I, I'm actually a, I'm, I'm a big fan of the way all three have panned out. Again, maybe not so much about BDs because I don't know them, but 
um, the way Animus and Third just have evolved over the course of time. Um, actually, Third just haven't really evolved at all. <laughs> Third just they're just um, the what the limit on pets has been reduced. Third just really haven't changed. Third just pretty much OG, and they're great. Animus have evolved, um, and and I don't know so much about BDs. Thank you, Lazardin, for being a brand new tier one sub. Uh, Gear Bunny Classic says, and if BD had been done more like Thurgis Animus, they'd probably be less of a problem, but it's enough of an imbalance that they added Call of a Thousand Storms to Thane and Valk to try and balance pet spamming for boss killing. Those those are a, a, a pain in RVR too when they're used properly, which they rarely are these days. But um, I think we could all agree that Thanes aren't always played to the best of their ability. A lot of Thanes love to see the hammers and get super excited at the hammers flying in the air. Just like Menelis, um, love the crazy AoE dot and will break every CC around. Thanes are in a, ver a very similar way. Um, they love to see the hammers. I, I think Thanes, there, there should, I'm not saying all Thanes, but a lot of Thanes should think more tactically about the way that they play. I think Valks, generally speaking, are well played. I haven't seen a bad Valk in RVR in quite some time. Prove me wrong, though. Uh, Farm Sauce says taking multiple casters with air pets is fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're Thurgis. If you're up against a Thurgis, it takes some um, some thought. Uh, when you're in a group, when you're versed at an eight man, and Thurgis is generally speaking the preferred interrupter, unless you've got a really good mini who can also play the backfield. Uh, Thurgis is kind of crucial in a good out group composition, and they have to be one of the first to be to be taken down. They're great. They're phenomenal interrupters. Gear Bunny Classic says, responding to that whole BS money issue, it's not uh, it's not a money issue. It's a time to implement issue. I, I agree on that. So let's talk about DAOC Classic, which is not what y'all came here for, because I've discussed this on prior state of the games. But let's talk about what I, I think when you go back and listen to the archive of all of the um, all of the state of the games that we've done so far. And I, this, this is the we're getting close to 10 here. Let's talk about classic. I think speculation, pure speculation, that the new version, whatever this alternative server, this new server will be, uh, is going to be wildly different than most people think it will. Most people think classic server and they think of a particular free shard in 1.65 and they very well could be targeting 1.65, right? Pre-TOA, anytime pre-TOA. People have to remember that pre-TOA, there was a lot of imbalance in the game. Things took a lot longer. There were quality of life improvements since then, a ton of quality of life improvements, the amount of grind that existed. I just, I don't, that's speculation on my part. I don't think they will. I think there's going to be a ton of changes to this new server, a ton of quality of life improvements. I think there will be uh, reduced grind. I don't think, and this is kind of a bold statement to make, I think, uh, or bold assumption to make, that they're doing it in a way that would potentially hurt the population of Uwain. How could that be? People are up in arms, the people who love Uwain, about this classic server and really worried that this classic server up in arms. That's a bit dramatic, Ramek. People are not people are not marching on the streets demanding a Uwain and no and no classic server. Uh in fact, they're picketing outside my house right now. I, I just think that the however they're going to implement this is going to be completely different than what most of the 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 fan base of DAC is going to expect. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is a total rumor, speculation on my part, fueled by a couple of people that I've spoken to that are not a broadsword. I think that this may be more than just a new server. And whoever um, is watching this at broadsword right now is probably rolling their eyes at me for saying this. 
but I'm going to say it anyway. I have this sneaking suspicion that there's a rewrite of the server happening, like a server level, a server level rewrite that's happening. I don't know if that's the case. I really don't. For me, that would make the most sense to to rewrite the server code to make it easier to work on in the future, to make it easier to build on, potentially make it easier to migrate to a new game engine, although I think that's a bit far-fetched. You gotta remember that the game is written in C++. C++ is like, for assembly languages, it sucks to work with. Sucks to work with. Like, you, you really, like, people need to appreciate Broadsword more for what they do. Because working with a, a server... Uh, a server code that was written in the late 90s for a MUD called, I think, Darkness Falls? Was it called D- DF or Darkness Rising or something? It was written for a MUD pre-2000. And when Mythic was formed, Darkness Falls Crusade is what Gear Bunny Classic says. It was written for a MUD. And they they migrated this code to work, or they, they, they finessed it to work with what is now still 20 years later, Dark Age of Camelot. 19, 20 years later, whatever. It feels like 20 years. The free shards, and I'm not going to talk. Well, let me let me take a step back from free shards. Um, I could talk about Dawn of Light. Dawn of Light is no secret. Dawn of Light has existed since uh, the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Dawn of Light was this server emulator project. Um, it is the basis of every free shard that exists, and it is um, it infringes on a ton of uh, intellectual property from Electronic Arts and Mythic, right? Mythic, Bioware, EA, whatever. I don't know if that's been passed on a broadsword or if EA still holds it or what, but like, um, I am not advocating. In fact, I'm telling you the opposite. Do not go play a free shard. Dawn of Light is um, has is essentially stolen the game. In the same breath, uh, when I said earlier that broadsword was paying attention to free shards and what they're doing, one of the really interesting takeaways from DOL is that it was re- rewritten. The whole entire server code was rewritten in C-sharp which is way easier to work with. The server code I'm talking about. The client hasn't been touched. They're using out-of-the-box clients, but the server code is written from the ground up with a lot of stealing that happened in between. They stole... I mean, all the artists that worked on uh, the game from the time of it, you know, the inception of the game all the way until now, right? The artwork, all that stuff was, was lifted and without credit stolen and used. That's why I have such a hard time talking about free shards. But there are lessons to be learned from that. If people take your work and they rip you off, I think there's a better opportunity to come back and bite them in the butt. And I would say other things, but this is supposed to be a podcast and maybe supposed to be kind of family friendly. Although I don't know if you're listening to this in the car and you've got a significant other or children, um, I'm so sorry for them. (laughs) And now I've just been turned off by all the families listening in cars. It, it, it's it, it's a ripoff. Rewriting the server code in C sharp would be, or taking the work that's out there because I hate to I hate to I'm not, I hate to break it to everybody. Most of you probably know this already. Donna Light's open source. It would be a lot easier, and I'm telling you this because I know this for a fact. And this is where this rumor and this speculation in my head started. Is that I heard from several people that shall go unnamed. Um, not not routes for people. I want to make that very clear. Not proud for people. Um, I, I heard from several folks that uh, you know what I can't. I can't even elaborate further on it. I can't, I, I, I can't because I'd be I'd be giving up way too much information. There's just there's reason for me to believe. And again, ter- pure speculation. Broadsword is rewriting the back end of the game. 
It would be very easy for them to do it because DOL is open sourced. If they didn't want to do all of the work from the ground up, I'm not suggesting that they're taking DOL and running with it. But there's a an amazing, an amazing uh, back end to work with. They could be doing it in house. They could be using the existing server code. But if they if they were rewriting the server code, it would be really, really exciting because of the amount of stuff that they could do. And I know this because I, I DOL is DOA DOL is like moldable in ways that um, I don't think the current server code is that that is that is running the live game. With that being said, do not go play a free shard. You are playing stolen. You're playing pirated content and you're playing on stolen artwork stolen names of spells and classes and don't don't do it like people love to be like yay this particular shard it's all over the place on reddit it's all over the place on facebook that talk about toxic that's toxic those people that are like advocates for shards they can be extraordinarily toxic and will not let you get a word in edgewise when you're talking about the live servers that community needs to go and they need to go like asap because they're not helpful. But anyway, the classic server, what do I think it is? I I, I think it's going to be pre-TOA. Um, if I can find the post, John said several years ago, and we'll try and find the link, that it was going to be pre-TOA. Don't know if that's changed, but John clearly said that a few years ago. I think there's probably some stuff um, on the Herald too. In fact, I think they cover this in a grab bag. I'm just going to read this word for word because of the, the podcast. You can read along with me if you like. This is a broadsword answering a grab bag question about the future. The question is, any updates on plans for next year? Broadsword's response. In the first quarter next year, we'll be continuing our response to endless conquest feedback, as well as delivering numerous bug fixes and some other goodies in the form of a 1.127 update. Afterward, our alternative server proposal will then be a major developmental focus. Our original proposal of a subscription-only classic plus Shrouded Isles plus housing server that advances vote-based through DAOC's subsequent content is still the plan. We'll be sharing the details of that server's rule set, um, like which frontier it will use and what other changes will be involved uh, with it as we get through 1.127. Depending on how this alternative server goes, we will be launching subsequent versions, perhaps with some fun variations, with a more uh, forced progression. With that being said, UAN will continue to be the primary long-term focus as we view it as the game. With Endless Conquest and the ability to play for free, we've seen a, a great number of returning players and new players out exploring our beloved world, and more importantly, endless battling uh, each other in the frontiers and battlegrounds. While alternative servers may seem like a shift away from Uane in the short term, in the long term, they will be another boon to the game as a whole and to Uane. New and returning players alike will have a chance to start fresh on the new servers, learn or relearn the game, gain realm rank, and eventually transfer over to Uane with their established characters, which will continue to grow Uane's population over, over time. In addition, the momentum from Endless Conquest and this future momentum from these alternative servers... Uh, are also in the midst of an investigation into bringing DAOC onto Steam. 2020 is going to be a great year for DAOC. Uh, with these plans coming to fruition, there will be many more ahead. Wow, there's... I... Uh, this. I'm so happy that I got a chance to reread this. There's a lot of juicy stuff here. They've said a lot more than even I remember them saying. Broadsword's painting broad strokes, pun intended, with this response. Classic plus Shrouded Isles plus housing sounds like, well, pre-TOA with housing. So what it sounds like. It didn't dawn on me that they were working on, they're thinking about launching other kinds of servers. There is a market for this out there. There is a player base out there. I talked about this in the last state of the game. There's so many people out there 
that grew up with this game, myself included, that are itching to come back. I mean, I'm here, right? I don't have to come back. I'm here. But a lot of people are itching to come back. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching the stream, and you're like, should I come back? The answer is yes, come back now. You only fuel the fire of this development and change and the health of this game if you come back now versus waiting. I still am not ruling out the idea that there's... I'm telling you, it's go, it would be so much easier for them if they rewrote the back end of the game, if they rewrote the server code, or they, 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 they took a page out of DLL's book. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't know. They certainly know this server code better than anybody else. They're the only ones that have worked on it. John has been with... Um, uh, John joined Mythic Entertainment. Uh, John Thornhill, the producer, uh, back in 2005 or 2006. Started off as a CSR. I believe he made his way over to um, UO and then came back to DAOC and took over from Talal in 2015 or 2016 as the producer. And Broadsword staff is not, um, is it, it's larger than you think it is. Let's go to chat questions real quick because I have, um, I've uh, ignored chat for the couple of minutes while I've been just steamrolling through my thoughts here. Uh, Lozers asks, uh, can you touch a bit more on how you believe Classic won't hurt you, Wayne? Honestly, I wouldn't be playing today unless I found the stream a few months ago. So thank you. Lozers, I am so happy to hear that. I'm so happy to hear that. And I um, I can't take the credit for all of it. It's this amazing community, um, uh, the Patreon supporters, the Twitch subscribers, uh, everybody that's in the Discord channel, everybody that's tuned in and watched, and all of the other Twitch streamers. I'm not alone here. Like, Carol has a great Twitch stream on Saturdays. An amazing Twitch stream with all sorts of fun giveaways, um, and people um, have have rediscovered the game there too. We all are working together, but not working together to make it happen. Um, in some ways, more than others. Can I touch on uh, how I I won't believe the classic won't hurt you, Wayne? So look at the player base right now of the free shards. Okay, it's not what it was at launch, but there's still a player base over there. Think about the people that started playing this game back in 2001 and the people that migrated and left for a while. There are tens of thousands of people and there haven't uh, that, have, that have played that. Well, no, there's been hundreds of thousands of people that have played this game, at least hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands that I think are still a like a, the market, tens of thousands. And uh, it's not like there is a slew of new MMOs that are coming out to compete. I mean, there are there's some still Dark Age of Camelot has the best PVP bar none, like period, end of story, full stop, like not even going to argue that with anybody. And it's also a game that has existed for a long time. People familiar with the storyline, the brand is worth a boatload of money on its own. I don't think launching a new server will hurt you, Wayne, because I think it draws on a population that's not currently here. If anything, I think it helps you, Wayne. It helps it helps all of the servers. It helps Geharis in some way, shape or form, too. Right, Geharis is still there. There's still a population on Geharis, which is the PVE, uh, the PVE exclusive server. There's still a population there, and there's still, it's a very tight knit community over there. I just think you have to look at the entire market and think how can they draw from this entire market. There's lots of ways to draw from that market. Classic is one. There are others. Do I think Mordred would be a great revival? No, I don't. M maybe um, in some alternative reality, do we think that Mordred would be a great revival? a live official Mordred, but no, it died for a reason. <laughs> no, I actually, I enjoyed my time over on Mordred. People love playing Mordred, but in any event, I think that there, uh, there's a lot of people to pull from, and that's why. It's just simply a numbers game. 
phase phase one FX says Dawn of Light has more people coding than Broadsword does on Dark Age. Will you believe that there's less than five people that are actively working on Dark Age 100 percent? Would you even believe that there are less than five people? So here's the and I made this comparison. I've talked about this before. Being a for profit company in the U.S., really anywhere in the world, ethically means that you have to pay people for their work. A volunteer project, which, by the way, is essentially the entire project is based around stealing content, right? It's you can have as many volunteer people as you want coding on that. Is that an advantage? I, I suppose if it wasn't stolen in the first place, it would be an advantage. But there's also nothing to there's no there's no reason that at some point down the road when Broadsword has a competitive product, they could do it now too. EA could do it now if they wanted to. But if they charge for a classic server, I would be very I'd be very concerned at that point about running a free shard that is classic. Not a lawyer, um, not legal advice. I'd be very concerned um, from a uh, from a liability uh, perspective if I was running a free shard once uh, Broadsword uh, launches their uh, their classic server. Uh, Boudicca says free shard uses the client, but I don't think that anybody's playing out there doesn't realize where the credit is due and who the original artists are. It's not about realizing. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. People who play recognize where it came from. The court doesn't really give a crap about that. There's a corporation that owns the intellectual property of this game, and um, they are due to, they are due all of the monies, uh, and they're also allowed to um, to represent um, or to protect their intellectual property. Pronder, um, I'm not going to repeat all of this. Pronder uh, has some great points in chat talking about shards. Pronder, uh, by the way, uh, has done a ton uh, of reaching out. Uh, Pronder Nor, also a Twitch streamer, community partner of the channel. Uh, Pronder has proactively uh, been reaching out to EA and to Twitch. And I think, uh, I don't know if, if there's any visible traction, but certainly has brought it to their attention in more ways than I think um, had been uh, uh, prior. Or maybe they're all, they'll know about it and he's just making a, a good stink about it. But anyway, Pronder deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, Gearbunny Classic says, I think that if the free old classic servers, the three old classic servers in the archive cluster still have the same server software database running, you could just wipe them, enable leave housing and creating characters, a couple days work maybe. Yeah, I don't know if there's archive. I, I have no idea. Uh, I suppose there's backups and archive code of all that stuff, and it wouldn't be difficult to roll it out on a bunch of EC2 instances and call it a day. But the development work is obviously taking some time, and I think there's probably a reason why that's happening. This is also, remember, Broadsword said that the classic server would come in 2020. It's now the end of 2020. Things take longer than uh, than expected. That happens all the time with development work. But I think it also says that there's quite a bit of complexity, uh, and that's the reason why it's taking so long. Uh, phase 1 uh, FX says, You can make 45 a month selling plat skins and other stuff. Look at CSGO and Dota or even League. All free to play and make 400% more revenue from this model than the $15.99 a month. I, with all due respect, uh, phase one, you, I think, grossly underestimate the amount of revenue that is being brought in for Mithril. Now, the game is not at a comparable, it's not like a, a comparable level in terms of population to CSGO or Dota or League of Legends or whatever, but Broadsword or whoever is making the revenue off of um, off of the the new microtransaction is making a, a boatload of I would say a decent amount of money. Myself this year, this is going to be crazy to all of you listening to this. The channel has spent almost eight thousand dollars in giveaways. I would say ninety percent of that, ninety five percent of that is Origin Store, just from me doing the giveaways on the stream this year since we started in six months. 
In six months, we've done $8,000 worth of giveaways. And most of that is from the Origin store in the form of Mithra, Mithra packs and game time cards. The adoption of the new microtransaction or the new MTX items, which are really cool, by the way, the adoption is uh, you can log in any realm and see it. Uh, Greg is making them a lot of money and is doing a great job. It's not just it's not about I mean, it, the artwork is stunning. I would buy I think I've said before I'd buy uh, Greg a beer if he drinks. If not, I'd buy him an orange juice or a soda or something. Um, but Greg, Greg is and that whole model that the of the MTX stuff is really brilliant. Chris the Alien writes, I remember when Broadsword took over and eventually redid the look of some things um, and damn population boosted. I'd love to see them redo their code if that allows them to be more creative. Cybex says if free to play had no drawbacks, how people expect Broadsword to survive, make it pay to pay to win with Mithril gear. I don't understand all the hype about the free to play model. And that's why Endless Conquest is very loosely free to play. It's not free to play in a traditional sense where it's, you know, it is pay to win, which is what most free to unfortunately most free to play models are. Endless Conquest is uh, is bait at the end of a rod and a reel. It's lure. Can you exist indefinitely on EC? Absolutely, you can. Sure, but people won't. The conversion rate from Endless Conquest to paid sub has to be 75, 80% if people are returning. If they're just playing EC accounts because they're, and that's just a that's just a, 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 a guess, right? I don't have any raw data on that, but that'd be my guess. Certainly be more than half. Some people play EC accounts because they don't want to pay and they don't see the need to pay the sub because they're secondary accounts or whatever. But uh, Lazardin says, I like the video of DAOC where the guy used the Unreal Engine for the graphics. I'm pretty sure that was Crisis. It was, they used the Crisis Engine. It was, or Far, Far Cry. It was the Far Cry Engine, I think. There might be one with Unreal, but I'm pretty sure you're talking about Far Cry. And it was it's really pretty. And that's also several years old. Little Moo says Guild Wars 2 is the prime example of how you how to do free to play. There are zero limitations, but people spend thousands of dollars for skins and stuff because people love shiny. That is I mean, it, again, this is not the same scale as Guild Wars 2. But look at what Broadsword has done from the time that the MTX store microtransactions were introduced until now. If you don't think it's heading that direction, especially with the uh, increased fre increased frequency of the uh, the content that is available via the MTX store. You got another thing coming for you. They are rolling out so much stuff and people are spending a lot of money. It might not be thousands of dollars. You can't just overnight. It's very difficult unless you launch the game with that intention. It's very difficult to take a um, a $15 a month game and then all of a sudden like flip a switch and get people to spend thousands of dollars for cosmetic stuff. You have to you have to ramp that up. It is not an overnight thing, and they have and they are ramping stuff up again. I believe that there's more than just like I think there's more than just Greg on art, too. Greg gets a lot of credit and because I don't I can't confirm the name of the other people that are playing and or other people that are working on uh, on art at Broadsword, nor would I just start sharing names of people um, other than Greg because uh, he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I believe that there are other artists that are that are working on. Uh, DAOC. I also think that there might be some artists that are shared between UO and DAOC. There's a lot of new stuff coming, and it's really cool. I mean, you can see with the Santa hats and Merloaf and all of the cosmetic stuff. Pronder says, Beeb uh, did basically say 2020 was instance and impacted. You meant insane. Okay. Beeb uh, did basically say that 2020 was insane and impacted the timelines for delivery, but plans haven't changed, just timelines. And that happens all the time in development. Uh, RP Grandpa, great name says, in all fairness, they told us about this alternative rules server how many years ago? I don't even know if I'll be alive when they get around to releasing this. 
Well, I have to tell you, I, I'm, I, I have a feeling you will because none of us are getting younger. That was a joke. Well, not really. I mean, none of us are getting younger, but they're working on it. And Prondrus's population uh, on Uane appears to be increasing, not decreasing. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about something that's never showing up. Let's talk about Camelot Unchained. No, let's not talk about CU. Broadsword's got a track record of success better than CU right now. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and they also did not get the influx of cash um, from a, a crowdsource campaign that ultimately, unfortunately, I think is leading nowhere. Prondor says housing is a good indicator of current paid subs at a baseline minimum. That's true. Housing is great. Housing is a great way. But if you don't have time to run through housing, it turns out um, that uh, Amadora, I guess, did a did some kind of analysis back in September. I had, I had not seen this. Apparently, there was some analysis of of owned houses in in um, on the live servers. And Amr comes up with a value of something like 21,600 accounts. No, read on. So TLDR, haven't read any of this. Um, Amher says there are probably 8,000 paid accounts in DAOC. I would, I, would, I would suspect that that's probably about right. This, this game is still making a lot of money, and there are a lot of people that are still playing it, or a lot of people that are still subbed, just waiting for an opportunity to come back. I keep saying that every time, every state of the game. This game is not dead. Do not say that this game is dead. You are lying to yourself and everybody that's listening to you. I can tell you right now that the free shards don't have, well, they don't have any paid accounts, but they certainly are not anywhere near as successful. Just because there's a lot of hype doesn't mean there's any there there. We have to, we have to stop playing that game with each other that like there's a better reality somewhere else. It's just not the case. Sovereign says um, it's going to pull people from Uane, even if it's uh, X players being targeted. How many will it draw from Uane? That remains to be seen. I also don't think that there's any reason that Uane um, people can't play both, right? I mean, there there will obviously be some differences. There will be um, NRE, which if you don't know what that stands for, it's new new relationship energy, right? That couples usually have when they connect for the first you know six to eight months of dating. Um, there will be NRE for players and the and the new server, without a doubt. But there are going to be a lot of people. There are a lot of people that had the option of going to shards that stayed on Uane for a reason. I don't think those people are going to leave or all of them. I think there's still going to be and there's still people coming. Guys, there's so many reasons. There's so many reasons to play live servers. The server pop has been increasing over the course of time. Cybex says those free shards make money. Don't forget about that either. What makes it even worse? They don't make any money. Free shards don't make money. They might take donations, but they don't make money. That doesn't make it any less legal, by the way. Uh, Pronder said, um, if people would put the effort into helping people get into the live game instead of a shard, more people would be here. Okay, so I'm talking a lot about shards. I want to scale that back. We have to maybe let's talk about classic or what could be from a perspective of like, let's not talk about what else is out there. Um, and that's not a criticism of Pronder. I'm just saying like there's this it's getting there's a lot of this in chat that's going on. Um we, the player base has to represent. You have to get on Reddit. You have to get on Facebook. If you don't have Reddit or Facebook, then I guess, you know, go out on your street and, you know, and shout from the rooftops that DAOC is amazing. And I don't know, point people to this Twitch channel and the official Discord. Anyway, um, word of mouth is everything and representation is everything. If you want, there, all of us can do, uh, can uh, advertise for free for the game just by going to places in, in which like online communities like Facebook 
and like Reddit and forums, right? Suggesting that people come here and that there's still like there's so much going on on the live servers. If half of you that are watching this right now or are listening to this in podcast form did that, it would be uh, it would be a game changer. No pun intended. Gear Bunny Classic says, let's keep in mind that the Fox and Snowman are brand new models and animations. Might we see new monsters in the future, too? If you're seeing uh, like the Fox and the Snowman and like the new stuff, right, for the for the Mithril store, without a doubt, you're going to see uh, new models for other things. Fronder says the housing updates were beautiful this year. They really were stunning. The housing updates are great. And New World Textures, as Lazardin said, would be excellent. I don't know how that impacts performance. Um, higher quality textures would be a... I actually don't think higher quality textures would be a huge lift to put into place. Uh, Proner mentions that you can make the game uh, look better with Reshade. Reshade is a great tool. I will put it in the, the show notes um, on the podcast uh, notes as well. Uh, link to Reshade. Broadsword has acknowledged that it's fine. It, it changes the appearance of the game. There's different plugins and it essentially you can increase gamma. You can um, increase clarity and sharpness. You can also do that in your some of the graphics cards allow you to do that, too. NVIDIA is one of those um, that you can make changes to graphics settings um, for DirectX games that will impact the uh, the quality of DAOC. Uh, Bebop Malama says, I've come back several times and I plan on staying for a while this time if I can find a group of people to run with once I get up to speed on the new stuff. So we're going to do a resource podcast. Come hell or high water, as my mother would say. We are going to do a resource podcast uh, at some point in the next week, hopefully the next week or two. And one of the topics will be guilds getting into getting into guilds that run regularly, uh, finding players that will, you know, because the in-game advisor system is no longer a thing. Um, uh, the the night program is not there anymore. Right. So it's like we're, we're relying on um, uh Beeb, who's a, a phenomenal community lead. We're relying on uh, people in the official Discord, Twitch streamers who are, you know, extending an olive branch new players and people in the game, especially. And so we've got to kind of sum all those resources up and point people in the right direction. And I think a resource podcast would be really popular. And um, I would like to do that. And I, I, I want to do one on templating. I want to do one. Um, you know, I'd love Gear Bunny Fusion to join me for that. I want I want to get some really good templators back to talk about um, the evolution of items in the game. So I hope you stick around, uh, Baba Lama. I really do. I hope you stick around and uh, I hope you stay for a while. Uh, Woke is talking about leveling in chat. Uh, Woke says four hours to get to level 50 if you're solo leveling. I believe there are people that have that have got it down to three in mid and alb. I think Hib can take four or a little more than four uh, because of uh, the variance in questing i think remember if well some of you will remember some of you uh, might not have even been alive uh if you're watching this when the game launched but it took me i think uh two months to three months to get to level 50 playing like four four days a week three days four days a week it took me it took me a few months at least to get to 50 back in back in the beginning so quality of life has changed significantly and there are people that are even willing to power level you, although I would I would encourage you not to use a power leveling team. I would encourage you to not reach out to somebody that has a macro team that can bring you into DF or bring you into a spot. If, if you are returning as a player, uh, you will benefit 
from going into the tutorial zone, which is where you start off as a level one character, uh, running through, uh, running the quests, learning the class, even before you come into the game, talking to people in the community about you know what your desires are there's so many different classes and so many uh so many different specs for these classes maybe the first step if you're returning if you're listening to this is to reach out to somebody in the community you can go to my discord uh the link is in the show notes uh or you can go to twitch.tv ramagoken and connect with us here the official discord is a great place to go to darkageofcamelot.com is a great resource and connect with a really good guild connect with a really good guild that is so important i cannot I cannot stress that enough. Guilds are what keep people in the game. It's the connection to people, right? It's a social network that you build, but it is also the access to resources that you otherwise would not have. God Steven said, did Mythic pay an orchestra for its opening music? Ah, here we go. Main title. Rick, uh, Rick Schaefer and Charles Washington also provide three electronic symphonic tracks, including the opening fanfare of main title. So there's your answer. There are a number of composers that are credited and uh, chat is talking about the menu blasting sound. Baba Malama says the menu blasting sound when the mythic screen pops up will forever be ingrained into my brain. Pronder says that opening sound is louder than a jet engine. I swear. No kidding. Um, I don't hear. Sometimes I turn on the in-game music and like pull out a weapon just to like remember what it used to be like for the first like 15 or 20 minutes I played the game and then turn the music off. Not that the music was bad and not that the people that wrote it, not that the music is bad. It's just I prefer to listen to other stuff. I will uh, say very quickly, wrapping this up, there are a lot of folks that play without in-game audio at all, and I don't know how you do it. I need in-game audio to survive in the game. If I if I lose audio because of I get I get like uh, my software mixer or whatever gets bugged, I have to quit reboot or fix it and then come back into the game i cannot play without audio i can play without the music i play without the music and i also uh fueled fueled says I, I keep the audio at one i also keep my game audio at one um but i but i need a I, I i need to be able to hear what's happening that's just a a very important part of my playing experience it's a very personal thing we all play differently we all have different preferences even your the way your bars are set up all of your settings, your cubines, those are all very personal things. Uh, but for me, uh, I will share that uh, I have to play. I have to have in-game audio, not the music, but uh, and certainly not the combat music, but uh, just the ambient music um, and like the, the sound effects and stuff. I have to be able to. So none of this, this is pretty much a full-time gig for me. This is, this is my work right now. I'm a former journalist, um, uh, a career journalist, uh, that worked in television and radio and most recently uh, worked on um, worked with independent producers and public radio and podcasts um, uh, around the world, public media organizations around the world and, and, and huge podcast networks. That was my most recent gig. Um, left that industry a couple of years ago. Um, I got burnt out uh, when the pandemic hit. I decided I wanted to give back to the community that had given so much to me. And so I started this Twitch stream. Um, the channel I started back in, I want to say it was like 2015 or something, but like I never did anything with it. And I started streaming full time in May. And this has pretty much become a full time gig for me. And um, all of the content that I create, 
the videos, the podcasts, the streams, the giveaways, um, when they're not, you know, when people aren't sponsoring it or, or not sponsoring it, but, but, um, providing, uh, things to give away. As I said, I think, you know, out of, out of the streams pocket, out of my pocket, we spent like $8,000, uh, in giveaways from the origin store, um, uh, just in the last six months. And there's a lot more when you count the people that have donated stuff, but none of this is super free. And, um, it, you know, there are expenses to everything. Like it's 20 bucks a month just to post the podcast. Right. And Adobe Premiere is expensive too. It's like 40 bucks a month. So I'm not suggesting that everybody has to do this, but, um, we do have supporters already on Patreon and I'm going to go through them at the end, but you too can support all the content that I create, um, by going to patreon.com slash ramicmedia. There are four levels that range from, um, uh, $5 a month, which gets you access to um, the fight recaps and the weekly Q&As uh, all the way up to 50, which is Beard Crew. Um, and it, and there's it, you get my personal cell phone number um, you get uh, and, you know, I'm available all the time. Uh, nightly shout outs, all sorts of stuff. Um, I also have um, I just finally got around to printing um, uh, there's a picture of Sadie and I. I finally got around to doing that. I'm very excited to send that out to the beard crew members. Um, there's a, it's very cool. I wanted to surprise you, but I might as well just share it anyway. Finally got around to doing that. And, um, so Pronder and, uh, uh, Siambra, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get that anyway, patreon.com slash ramicmedia, the best place to support the stream. Uh, and, uh, if you're not in the financial position, like so many, God, so many people are, um, you're no less helpful to the stream and to all the work that I'm doing. You can simply just word of mouth spread, let people know the stream goes on five nights a week, every night except for Wednesday and Saturday, although holiday weeks are different. But every other week of the year when it's on a holiday week, five nights a week except for Wednesday and Saturday, 7.45 p.m. Eastern. We try and do giveaways every night at 8.30. Um, and there's a ton of custom content that's only available to Patreon um, supporters. And we do giveaways, all sorts of stuff. Thanks to Siambra and to Pronder for being Beard Crew members. That's the highest level of support for the channel. To Borgio and to Beeb, thank you so much for being uh, the It's Not Over, which is the Tier 3. Thanks to Bellamar for our Tier 2, Saving the Game. Thanks to AK Extraterrestrial, to Godsteeman, to Neomatrix, to Ollie, to Keed, Veneer, Viowin, who's our newest Patreon supporter, and Bloodcore. Thank you guys so, so much for the support. It means the world to me, and it allows me to keep doing all of this work, um, running the ads, creating the videos, doing the streams, all that stuff. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. Be safe. Wear a mask. Take care of everybody around you in this crazy world that we live in right now. Please be safe. Ciao.